0: guys, George Messa, Third Eye Edify podcast. And I've said it before, but this time it means more than usual. I am beyond excited to have Nicole Messa here with us, my wife, to talk about the incredible journey that she's had recently and what led up to it and why you guys all need to know who she is. She has uh, so much to say about so many different topics, so many great insights about things a lot of experience with all kinds of things in the world and I'm being very broad on purpose. Let's get her on. And Nicole, welcome to the show. It's about time for sure. We have amazing talks all the time. We've got to get these recorded and um, (laughs) let everyone know a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. Hi everybody. Uh, It's very exciting to finally be here after quite a long time of being asked to come on and um, it's a lovely evening for a take two Um, and so I'm very happy to be here and share my experiences and my point of view on something that I'm extremely passionate about um, which is physiological childbirth. Excellent.
0: Excellent. And I'm sure everyone notices that there are quite a few titles below you. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll we'll start with a very important distinction to make for people that aren't sure about some of the things that we're going to be talking about, just to clarify, just to have some context. And um, and then we'll give you a chance to kind of run through most, if not all, of the labels underneath uh, your your face there. So I really think that before we even get into the conversation about your inspirations for wanting to do this the way the world has been lately, especially the past hundred years with entertainment and before, as we'll get into all that. But I think it's really important that we make a a clear distinction and label as best as possible without, of course, um, avoiding the fact that it it turns into so many different things, no matter what, you never know. I'm sure doula, and midwife i i really am noticing that there's a lot of confusion between the terms they get kind of thrown around as one or the other a lot of people think they're the same exact thing so please give us a relatively brief um distinction between the two
1: sure so um doulas um there are more than one kind of doula uh there's birth doulas there are Uh, postpartum doulas Uh, a lot of birth workers that work as doulas do both Um, there are also bereavement doulas that a lot of people don't know uh, about so that's kind of um, really interesting to think about but really what doulas do is um, they play a supportive role in um, pregnancy childbirth and postpartum so a lot of physical support um a lot of guidance um communication is usually always open as uh, at least um between my clients and i um i always am available to talk to um education is a big part of um my services as a doula uh, during the pregnancy period and um as far as um, midwives go, somebody, um, a friend of mine the other day um, had just said something really interesting um, that midwives are people who know what to do with her hands is a, is a person who knows what to do with her hands. Um, of course, when hands are needed, mm-hmm. which is not, um, most of the time, Um, but when hands are needed, it's important to know um, and possess the skills, the training, the experience, and the education um, needed to address whatever um, might be coming up.
0: Good, good. Um, You know, that reminds me of something I'll never forget, of course, that you, I, I witnessed, you catch our very own baby yourself as you were giving the birth. So it it doesn't have to be where, you know, you're just kind of laying there as it's often portrayed. And then whoever's there takes over and does everything for you, except the pushing and the pain, which is how it seems when you watch a movie or a TV show, you know? So that's, that's, that's well said. That's interesting. The uh, interesting way to put it, but, um, that's, there's so many things that, um, there's so many things to, to mention and to, you know because you uh, you did a good job of being brief about it actually and there's so much more of course you know I never wanna me, yeah, yeah there's... <laughs> <laughs> there's no you're not here to be I don't want you on here to be brief but no for that moment maybe we just wanted an overview ideas um, for example up until let's say I don't know third trimester I'm I'm being again I'm being very fairly, fairly broad here, but you end up talking to your doula far more than your midwife. Would you would you agree with that? As you're having more of a conversation about daily tips or weekly
1: tips, monthly ideas. I think that it's different for you know, depending on um the midwife and um and the doula. it, it it's you know, you create a very personal relationship between your clients and You know, some midwives do a lot of, you know, typical doula work for lack of better words Mm -hmm. um, and do offer support like that and are available for questions. And there are other types of midwives that, you know, have a a call service after hour call service and you Mm -hmm. get to speak to an on-call doctor and, you know, not all midwives are made the same. Um, Some are very highly medicalized. Some work in practices with doctors and um, others don't. Others work independently only in a home setting, Um, you know, out of their own office or their own home for prenatal visits. It can look a lot of different ways. So
0: Mm. good. Good. Well, you know, I'm I'm at the same time asking for the audience and myself sometimes because I still don't know everything about it, too. It's a very, very, very large um, topic with all kinds of overlapping concepts, medical or otherwise. And um, I guess something that I, I think would be really worth discussing now also is how how much if when you ask for a home birth and you know that's what you want, regardless of why, um, how much does the midwife bring? to the home as far as, you know, the things that I I assume a lot of people think are completely missing from the home births versus when you go to the hospital. How much of the hospital actually comes to you in these settings? Is it a lot? Is it barely any? Uh, I know it it varies per midwife, of course,
1: but they're they're heavily trained. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I mean, midwives, you know, there's a there's a lot of confusion there's you know there's a lot of different type of birth workers out there um and some midwives you know train differently than others some some choose to go straight into an apprenticeship and learn that way um some become certified nurse midwives so they're actually uh they have nursing degrees first and former foremost um Um, And then they go on to complete a midwifery uh, Mm. part of their education. Um, But part of that training is apprenticeship and learning by doing and learning by observing and and actually being present for birth and um, witnessing. Um, And that's something that also looks at that can look a thousand different ways but, um, you know, it can be kind of tricky because there's a lot of people out there that um, are working as midwives, whether they call themselves midwives or, or not, or birth keepers or, or doulas, but they are attending um, births and don't necessarily have the experience or the training or the education or any of the things that, um, you know, really, if you're going to carry yourself in such a role, you know, somebody should have. So it's really important to be aware of that. And, um, you know, ask if you're somebody that is looking for support, um, in any way, and you feel like you need a a midwife with you, um, for your home birth then um you know it's important to have that transparency and um, and some people don't so you know it's important to ask what somebody's training is and what somebody's experience is
0: right because you're i know you weren't necessarily heading there but you can technically have a home birth without a midwife is this it's not like a guarantee right
1: sure some you people, can do whatever you, you want whatever you want
0: well this is this is definitely true and that's actually part of what's amazing about the, the course that you're in, the training you're in now. But we'll get to that uh, down the line.
1: Yeah, I think that people don't realize that they they have choice because it's been taken away from us. And we've been so out of touch with our own bodies and our own power for so long that it's become foreign to us. But, um, but getting back to what your actual question was, is there are some midwives um, who carry medication and IVs and certain things on them and there are midwives that choose not to do that for whatever valid reason they may have. And, um, you know, they may only carry herbs on them, herbal tinctures and herbal remedies and things like that. There are midwives that choose to carry none of that. Um, but again, those are the things that, um, you know, need to be asked, you know, things that you Um, as the woman going through this experience, this transformation, uh, need, needs to know and prioritize, you know, what is important to you? What do you feel like you, you know, you need from your birth support, from your birth team? And some women are okay with just having a birth keeper there or, um, you know, a midwife that only has you know, verbs or whatever um, on them. And some people are not, you know, there's every experience is different for everybody. And, you know, I think that the important thing is not only knowing that you have a choice, but knowing um, what the possibilities are, what your options are, so that you know what questions to ask and um, how to go about you know, putting your, your birth team together and, you know, discovering what your experience is going to look like for you.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Cause the Western approach lately, but well, lately as in the past, you know, let's just say a hundred years to be just to put an obvious number on it, you know, maybe read half a book and then that's, that's all you do. Everyone else does the, the medical system does the rest, you know? So now people are starting to realize, hey, I have complete control over this. I should find out as much as I can. I can talk to, I don't have to take the first one I interview, things of that nature. So it's it's great that the awareness is really growing. And at the <laughs> same time, the stigma and the the so-called witch hunt is also growing. So we have to get to all those things a bit later. But before we move on to any of that, because we actually went a little longer in the in the opening here of, of the initial topic, but you know what? there's still plenty of people and potentially my audience included that really don't know a lot about all of these things, even if they've had birth before, even if they've had a home birth. So let's talk about where your experience lies, because you've actually you've been on the inside and now you're, now you're from the outside looking back in, Um, you know, as it says, former nurse down there by choice, of course, and other reasons. And um, I think maybe you should tell everyone when, When did this all start for you? When did you know that this path was going to be the one for you?
1: Well, um, I mean, even as a child, I always had these feelings, these intuitive feelings of um, even not really knowing what I was going to do with my life. But I just knew that whatever it was was larger than myself. Um, and when my, one of my best friends had her first birth, that was, um, back in 2009. Um, it was a real eye opener for me. It was the first time that I, I had already had my, my first birth. My, my son was already five, six months old at the time but it was the first time that I got to see it through the lens of the supportive role. Um, and it was such a privilege to be able to be there with her. And even um, at, in the at, at that moment, like, seeing things that I didn't understand or I, I just didn't agree with, things that just, like, I wasn't in the medical field at that time, but things that just made me feel like sick to my stomach in the hospital. And, um, you know, it it really put me down this path of um, being called to birth work in particular. Um, And so, um, but supporting my friend in that, was so rewarding for me Um, and it was just such an honor to be able to experience that uh, alongside of her. But um, I then became a nurse. Uh, I was a licensed practical nurse um, from 2010 until about a year or so ago. So over a decade in the medical field uh, spanning from many different specialties, um, but excelling in OBGYN. And my latest um, endeavor, I guess, in the medical field was in OB triage in an outpatient setting. So I was dealing with a lot of routine lab work and sonograms and diagnostic testing and um emergency phone calls and a lot of different things um and i just started to fall out of alignment or i started to realize that i was not in alignment with the system in which i worked rather Mm -hmm. so um there were things that I had to, you know, do. I couldn't recommend very simple things because was not FDA regulated or approved or, um, you know, there's just like such a lack of choice. You know, it was like I couldn't give the information and the things that I knew to these women uh, in order for them to make decisions on their own, which is what informed consent is. So, um, you know, it was kind of not a part of my job, even though they swore that it was, (laughs) right. And, um, yeah. So, uh, I decided that, you know, the time was right. I had already actually, um, I had continued for my RN several years before that, um, in the with the intention of becoming a certified nurse midwife to further down the line, um, and that did not work out. And it seems like any time I tried to take a step uh, further into the system, the universe was just like, "This is not for you." <laughs> So it was discouraging for a little while um, until I realized that it wasn't that I'm not supposed I'm not meant to be a birth worker, I'm just not meant to be that type of birth okay. worker and um, yeah, it was eye opening, so there's a, a tremendous lack of choice, uh, a tremendous lack of education and um I'm not really about that. So I decided to become a a doula, a birth doula. I had already supported several friends during their pregnancies and births. Um, So it was kind of like a natural step into birth work for me. Um, I took a training. It was basically already things that I I knew uh, and... I chose not to become certified, even though, because certification for uh, being a doula is not really a thing, even though um, they, make, they make it a thing. It's not really like a legal thing. Um, and uh, I wasn't in alignment with that either. I didn't really need a piece of paper to tell me that I knew what I was doing and that I was good at what I do. So I chose not to continue with that. But um, I think another big realization coming from the medical fields and stepping into like this more uh, natural childbirth role is um, the realization that my experience in nursing was led by ego. And I definitely at first had this kind of savior complex that so many um, providers in the medical system have, which is a lot of the time why people go to get their white coat in the first place, because they want to help, but they really wanna save people. Um, And what I am learning is, um, and what I am, am working with clients is educating them in order to make the best decisions for themselves. So, um, kind of like the opposite, hmm. you know, nobody needs to be saved, um, when they have the right education, especially, and, um, it's, uh, like I was saying before, uh, greater than myself. It's, um, it comes from a higher calling, a higher power, and it's for the soul collective there is a tremendous wound that needs to be healed and that's what i'd like to contribute to with this work that's
0: wonderfully said really really wonderful and um i think it shows oh first of all my personal opinion about how in touch with your world i think you are I really think that a lot of people may have read the signs you received the wrong way or may have been steered down the wrong path because of it, because that's the nature of our culture in general. This is being recorded in 2023 in the United States, just in case anyone needs context. And um, there seems to be this whole, just to quote Michael Hoffman in one of his newest books, or his newest book, um, it's it's like a death cult out there. They want you to be afraid to have children. They want you to think it's like a very painful and awful process, trauma of birth. And they want you to think that, you know, if you have another kid, you're going to add to climate change. You're going to destroy the world. You're going to destroy the planet. You know, your grandparents, your parents, your kids, (laughs) no, not your kids, your friends and family are all going to suffer because you made this bad decision to have a kid. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. It's disgusting. And I think, hopefully, the past few years with uh, good old COVID has shown people a lot more than they expected to know about things like the medical industry, things like how we're guided through entertainment and through cultural norms and stigmas to make decisions, to think that we're educated about a decision just because we're doing what everyone else does, what what technically is the right thing to do it's uh pretty crazy and you were there and you were working during covid as an ob triage nurse and yeah. some negative some pretty negative things happened that prove what the you know what the conspiracy theorists say about uh what the shot was doing to people i think maybe we should touch on that for just a moment i know it's a touchy subject
1: it is but um yeah covid was crazy for... So many different reasons. is crazy for so many different reasons. Um, But yeah, I worked through COVID. um, And I mean, at first there were no vaccines, you know, so it was really just a bunch of bundled up confusion and what do we tell people? And the panic and the fear was just unbearable. Um, and the lack of support, um, I mean, was unbearable also, but uh, I mean, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Well, it's, um, okay. it's, I, I, it's, it's like something that I tried to put so far from my mind. Um, because it was just so devastatingly exhausting. But um, but I mean, the biggest takeaway that I, I saw was um, the increase in miscarriages. And once the vaccine did roll out, um, and I seem to be the only one that really felt that way. Uh, about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, um, yeah, you know, we weren't, I wasn't allowed to recommend like any herbal kind of remedy or, you know, anything, any basic kind of, you know, care, healthcare. Um, but I was instructed to, you know, refer people to the ACOG recommendations for pregnant women with the vaccine, which, of course, recommended the vaccine
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, to pregnant women. And that was kind of where I just drew the line. And I was like, yeah, I'm done with this. Most but, um,
0: um, most real people would, you know, stop you in your tracks. Yeah. So what can you tell everyone ACOG is in case they don't know?
1: Uh, sir. Sure. ACOG is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And they kind of like are the big wigs of the OBGYN hmm. uh, establishment in the United States. And, and they also recommended um, the shot. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Of course. Well, you know, this conversation doesn't necessarily have to go many much further in this direction, but it's worth mentioning that you... Have are, you have firsthand, you know, witness, and also you were actually were receiving the protocols to tell people to do this stuff, which is, you know, it's really painful. And yeah, also...
1: and I mean, again, it was, you know, really just fear controlling everybody, and um, you know, the lack of clinical information that was available. Um, nobody really knew what to tell anybody um right
0: so no answers it's, and and most times not the right question either regardless if there was the an answer. answer it was that that's the level of confusion and fear there was and i really think that that can segue us into a further discussion about the idea of fear controlling people and um and i say entertainment very often because it is a huge part of what molds our culture it really is you know, that television that we all grew up with, and now the phones obviously really, it's crazy. But entire, you know, entire continents of people can think a certain way about something just because of a, a movie or just because of the way that you're raised to think something. It doesn't, sure. mean, that it, it doesn't mean that it's right. And well, when um, to, birth, yeah.
1: something like something as natural as birth is portrayed as scary and, I, I, like blood-curdling, screaming, uh, painful and unbearable uh, as if we're not meant to experience this um, very spiritual and transformative process. You naturally, you know, when you're afraid of things like that, it doesn't matter how natural it is or normal it is. You only see the abnormal. You only see things, scary things, bad things, things going wrong, you know, uh, an unrealistically, um, you know, painful and, you know, in fear, you relinquish your control. And so why wouldn't people... Be more comfortable going into a hospital and giving their choice over to a doctor who you have been taught your entire life knows better than you about this because they went to school for it and they learned about it. Mm-hmm. Um, trust, and, trust the science, right? As always, right? Trust the experts. Mm-hmm. You know, not you, the woman who was divinely created and designed specifically to birth children, trust the white coat in the room mm-hmm. who does not even possess the anatomy to do what you do. <laughs> so, right. You know, it's, yeah. Fear leads a lot of people off of uh, the ledge, so to right. speak. Yeah. And um, you know, it's a shame, but I mean, I just try to, um, you know, educate, like it, it'll, it, for me, a lot of it comes back to education and open conversation and not being afraid to have a voice about it. Um, because it is scary to talk about, um, you know, when you're a student midwife who's not planning on becoming licensed and it can be very scary um you know you don't know the witch hunt that you were talking about is a real thing for sure um and i think that it's important to acknowledge that it's not just it's not just midwives um uh, versus other people in the healthcare industry or the government it's midwives versus midwives also okay. there's a lot of um there's a lot of really painful backstabbing circumstances that come up um at times.
0: So And sometimes it comes down to things like certification, right? Just that simple concept. I know it goes well beyond that, but even that alone is getting a yeah. finger finger pointing right away, right? Right maybe we'll we'll get to the licensure licensure and and um certification. I think we'll we'll talk about that today too. but you know some of the fear I've said entertainment, but there's also you know real news headlines that come out, and not only are they of course very misleading on purpose to create fear to make sure more people go to the hospital, no matter what, whether they let your your um you know birth partner in or not and the the articles themselves are, <laughs> I want you to explain it because you're, you have the more of the expertise than I do, but there was this one particular article that we read about and they said, a, you know, midwife kills her kids and commits suicide. And it was, uh, there was so much more to the story and it was improperly labeled to begin with. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Right. I mean, it's, it's exactly what you said. The headline, like, clearly read, um, you know, midwife kills children, kills self. And when you actually read the article, um, it comes out that she wasn't an actual midwife. She was a registered nurse on labor and delivery, which is not the same thing at all. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of misleading things in the media, whether it's in entertainment or on the news. Um, and again, it, it really comes back to fear. Um, you know, they want you in the hospitals. They want their profit, you know, um, to be made. And that's really what it comes down to. That really is what the bottom line is, um, is profit you know even these doctors that and these healthcare providers that um that really care you know the bottom line is that they're working for a system that only cares about profit
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so and control so you know it's a broken system no matter what way you slice it
0: right and it's also fear and and it's often quite understaffed regardless of all that profit and it um,
1: was understaffed right. prior to COVID.
0: Right. This is before, yes, it's always been yeah. that
1: way. It's just devastating.
0: Right. All these good, caring people can't even give the care they want.
1: No. Yeah. And, you know, you pre COVID, you were seeing, you know, you would go into a doctor's office and you'd still wait an hour mm-hmm. to be called in only to see right. your doctor for maybe, maybe, maybe. 10
0: minutes. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's Remember, not healthcare. Don't forget any questions you have to ask and it's over before you. That's even, not you know,
1: healthcare. They, they right. want to see the numbers on, on a chart and analyze you in a clinical sense. And that is the extent of healthcare right. to so many of these people. And, um, you know, they, I'm sure like many or most people have heard the saying it, there is nothing sacred anymore. Uh, and especially with childbirth is absolutely true. Um, you know, the spirituality right. and the sacred aspect of childbirth has been, you know, pretty much eliminated in the modern medical uh, system. So. Right. And the most
0: ancient thing of all time, delivering babies. suddenly it's uh, essentially it's reserved for, you know, hippies and witches and conspiracy theorists. That's, that's part of, you know, the message they try to push on it. And um, it's anything but that. And um, I trust a witch over a lot of doctors to tell you that there's um, we should quickly mention right now that there are plenty of amazing, very caring people in these places and that we are not offering medical advice of any kind right now. We really are, just trying to bring light to some very disturbing topics that are it's getting worse at a, at a pretty crazy rate and there's always that silver lining that people mentioned about covid where more people are aware now it's very true but the per- the percentage is still low and another thing i think we now that we're in discussing and really in depth with the medical system as it is um c-sections what's what's going on with all these c-sections are they are they kind of pushing for them? Are they are they trying to make them happen more often than they should? And why, if that's the case?
1: Sure. So, uh, I mean, we live in a country where we have a ridiculously high cesarean section rates. Um, and a lot of it is for profit. A lot of it comes down to the doctor's preference. Mm-hmm. Um their schedule, what's easiest for them. Um, it's just become so normal that people just don't think twice about it. Um, meanwhile, it's major abdominal surgery. Mm-hmm. It's not typically easy to recover from, mm-hmm. um, and um, I mean, it, I think that it is, you know, unique to the provider. I know so uh, I I know some doctors that you know they really don't push for C sections mm. but the other side of that coin is when is a C section really 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 necessary and when are we just afraid of the situation becoming a liability or a lawsuit mm. And it's easier to get this baby out via C-section.
0: Right. Even if vaginal birth is totally plausible, it could end up being that. And that sounds like fear is on the on the uh, ticker again. So it's really...
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: It comes down to the same... It's the same process every time they put you through the same... You know, they kind of they nod there. Just like when they try to get you to... <laughs> it's the same thing when they try to get you to biggie-size your fries... They're like, do you want a biggie size for 50 cents? And they're like, do you want to go in for the C section now? You know, it's well,
1: really. You have, you know, this culture that, you know, fear of childbirth has become normal from our entertainment and, and things that, like, we were just talking about. And you have these medical providers that live in absolute fear of being sued so it's the perfect combination well you're afraid to have a vaginal birth and i'm afraid for uh, to have a lawsuit it's easier to just cut you open and rip this baby out of your body so you know
0: no exaggeration yeah yeah that that's that's pretty harsh and and what about um i think we, we should quickly touch on this too the the, the concept of you know Having the birth when you're supposed to, when you naturally, your body is ready to do it at that moment, as opposed to being induced, let's say, at the hospital where maybe they're just rushing it forward. So you're not there for another two days. Can you maybe talk about that a little bit too? I feel like that's part of this category.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, inductions of, induction of labor, they happen for... Many different reasons, Um, some medically necessary reasons, some just because you're over your due date. And uh, again, doctors are afraid of having some kind of liability. Mm. It could be something like that. Um, But that's different than um, an augmentation uh, of labor, which is using basically the same medication, mitocin, which is synthetic Oxytocin, which is the hormone that your body secretes mm-hmm. um, when, in order for you to give birth, right. um, and instead of using it to induce labor and get it started, they're using it to speed up your natural labor.
0: That sounds very unnatural. That sounds like the a oh yeah, idea. I'm sure there's all it sounds very unnatural. Uh,
1: yeah, it just sounds like you know it can lead to so many. Um, problems Mm -hmm. potential problems and uh a plethora of further medical intervention and it does much of the time cause problems and um you know everything is with risk and people a lot of people are under the impression rather that um you know you're safe in a hospital and medical interventions because they're done routinely Mm -hmm. doesn't Mean that they are not without consequence and not without their own risks. Um, but informed consent, again, is not really something that is being done thoroughly. Um, you know, they may very quickly go over the risks and. You know, talk even the tone that they go over it with mm. you is just like, oh yeah, you know, well, well you could have this happen. Oh, you're gonna get an epidural. Well, your blood pressure might drop out. Like they don't talk about it as if it's a serious consequence that can actually happen to you, and that does happen. Um, you know, they they carry themselves a certain way, mm. um, and if they if you're lucky enough to hear catch them say it to you verbally, um, you know, that's kind of on the off chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest is really up to you to um, read on your own uh, on a, off of a consent form, which right. nobody ever does. <laughs> nobody ever sits there for 15 minutes reading a consent form and actually knowing what you're signing. So... You know so because things are routine, don't mean that they are safe or normal.
0: No, definitely not, or and definitely not natural. That's for sure.
1: Certainly,
0: because um, nat- nature, being the you know the key part of that word, is really the main focus of all this. And nature has a way of not doing what you'd like it to sometimes, and nothing's perfect. Sure. Our our last birth birth was a home birth. And as amazing and beautiful as the whole thing was for me personally, there, were, there was something that came up. And it wasn't perfect. And maybe, we, maybe we'll have some time to talk about that near the end. But I think this, what we just discussed about what happens in the hospital might be a really good thing to also mention. Another key factor of one of the biggest differences between having your birth in the medical system and having it outside of the system with you know a midwife, doula, home birth, is uh, postpartum care. And the things that you shouldn't do, which are basically anything (laughs) except lay, lay there with your baby skin to skin. Can you talk about some of the biggest problems with Western culture, as far as that goes as the whole, like, you know, get back to work in two weeks or less.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, we don't live in a culture that supports, um, mothers, parents, but new mothers, uh, or their babies. Um, There is, um, again, the sacred aspect of this very important, very um, spiritual and transformative time is just totally absent from this culture. Um, There are other cultures where you have, you know, however long, you know, a set amount of time where you are expected to care for yourself you know, however that culture, you know, whatever that means uh, to them. But, um, you know, you don't leave the house and you don't, you know, you're not working and you're not taking care of other children and you're not running your household. You are uh, paying attention to yourself and your healing. And, um, you know, we have a tremendous issue with postpartum depression in this country and, um, you know, maternal mental health. And at the same time, we have no support for our moms. So, you know, those two things are going to go hand in hand. Um, you know, in a hospital, you typically, you know, before COVID you had, um, you know, two or three nights, depending on the hospital protocol, Mm-hmm. Um, you had to a two to three night stay before they sent you home. If, um, you know, if your baby was not losing too much weight, if you checked all of their boxes and you could both go home, uh, since COVID, um, they've been doing like a 24 hour kind of turnaround time. Um, when we had our daughter, she was born in a hospital, and it was a lovely birth experience. By the way, um, you can absolutely have a, a beautiful experience in a hospital setting. Um, that being said, we were gone less than twenty-four hours.
0: Yeah, twenty-four hours. I was just. I don't say even that think it was
1: less. a full twenty-four hours after mm-hmm. she was born. Definitely. Um, and you know, that was it.
0: And my okay. friend working there right down the hall couldn't even visit us, of course. <laughs> I'm like, no. Oh, my friend's right next door, the TV can come. He's like, I can't leave, they won't let me back on shift. Oh my God. Yeah. That was I'm sure most of us remember all that stuff. But yeah, well, yeah. you know,
1: one of the things that COVID did do also was, you know, we, we saw an increase in home birth inquiries and women, you know trying to choose home birth. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people I know couldn't find a midwife because um, everybody was trying to, to uh, look into their options, which mm-hmm. I guess is one positive thing from the whole fucked up ordeal. But, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, because women were being forced to birth by themselves alone in, in a hospital. Um, You know, if they were positive for COVID, they were absolutely not allowed to touch their baby, see their baby, look at their baby. Um, There were uh, a lot of things happening in the hospitals that um, were just very um, demeaning and dehumanizing. And um, so we did see a lot of people, at least in our area, um, where we were at the time, choosing home birth. Right.
0: And I think um we were, we're not, we're no longer there, but we were in New York. And it seems like a lot of people, even though they were taking that first step to getting away from the medicalized approach, they were still making sure you were certified, making sure you were a certain way, as close to a white coat doctor as humanly possible. Right. So, it was a step in the right direction regardless, but maybe we can quickly touch on that licensure and and certification, the idea of a PMA and having an appropriate relationship versus one with oversight and, you know, rules and regulations.
1: Yeah. um, uh, So, I mean, first and foremost, I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that um, just because you're a home birth, uh, a home birth midwife, does not mean that you are not medicalized right? and there are many uh, midwives that are very hands-on for lack of better words um, and very much modeled in the same way as uh, OBGYNs so um, you know and that can be hard to break from it, it could be hard to find Um, somebody that's not like that depending on where you are um but it's not impossible and um it just might take a little work but Mm -hmm. um but yeah there are midwives that choose not to be licensed not not to um hold a license um for many valid reasons again um And some of them work under different um, things like PMAs, uh, private membership associations, or uh, FBOs, faith-based organizations. And, um, you know, I'm still in the middle of learning, like, the intricate differences between the two um, because there's a lot to them. But, I mean, I don't know. I liked how you described the PMA. I think that was pretty... Um, to the point.
0: The cigar store? Yeah. Yeah, if anyone doesn't know, you know, think about it this way. Where, again, we came from New York, you weren't allowed to smoke indoors. I'm not sure if you can anywhere in the country anymore. You're not allowed to smoke cigarettes or anything indoors. But if you walk into one of these cigar shops, can light up just 20 people smoking at the same time. How is this possible, right? It's a, you walk in, it's a PMA. There's an agreement between you and the owner of that place that you're not looking to follow those rules and they, you don't mind that they're doing it and they are allowing you to do it since you were there to do that, obviously. So there's ways around any law at all. There's, there's a whole bunch of things that come with that. And there'll be maybe a whole nother topic for that. A show I was on a few years ago, Crow, they, he had some great information about that. And, um, that might, uh, I think segue nicely into what you're doing now. Radical midwifery. With uh Marin Green's incredible course at indiebirth.org. I'll certainly leave a link in the show notes. But um why don't you talk about how, how this all came to be and how you're you are where you are now and this awesome, awesome place that you're going. And you've had an incredible journey. I'm just so happy to be part of it. I'm I'm actually quite honored. Thank you for being you. I'm 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 sporting this pretty fancy shirt of us in case anyone didn't notice. This is us. <laughs> I haven't worn this in, in a few years, actually. Um, yeah, to, how did it? Just go for it. How did you get to this point now?
1: Um, well, it was a few years of, you know, again thinking. You know, it, it was it was really conflicting hearing this call over and over and over again, and knowing in my soul that this is what I belong doing. And this is the path that I belong going down. Um, And, you know, for me as an LPN um, to continue um, to become a certified nurse midwife, I would have had to start completely over uh, from scratch. I went to a trade school, tech, technical Mm -hmm. school. So I didn't have any college credits, uh, just a fancy diploma, piece of paper, another fancy piece of paper. (laughs) Um, It was the first piece of paper that uh, people told me didn't amount to shit. So that was where that should have been my first clue. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I would have had to start over. I would have had to go through um, prerequisites. Mm -hmm. I would have had to go for my bachelor's in nursing, become a registered nurse. And then I would have had to go, um, you know, another two, three years, whatever, depending on the the program uh, to get certified as a nurse midwife. And I didn't have the time or the money. And at that point I had already not, Aligned with the medical field and the role as a nurse, like I've been, uh, I haven't identified as a nurse or with that role in, in quite some time. So it just never felt right. Um, and, but that is all I I knew. Um, I didn't know anything other than that. So, uh, Yes, we found a episode of the same show you were mentioning just a minute ago, Crow. And um, he had this lovely lady hmm. on, uh, Marin Green, who is a uh, co founder of Indie Birth Midwifery School. And um, it just opened up this whole new world to me. Um, it really genuinely changed my life. And I just remember listening to it and going, This, it all made sense. And I just like instantly realized why I was never able to move forward before. Mm -hmm. Um, The pieces just kind of like came together all of a sudden uh, during this interview uh, with her. And that comes back to what I was saying earlier in the episode is that everything is a choice. And that was the day that I realized that I had options and I did have a choice and that I didn't need to go down the nurse midwifery rabbit hole mm-hmm. and, uh, and sell my soul to a system that I don't align with. So um, it was... About a year, I think I read every everything that I could find about indie birth, uh, and I became a part of their little social network. Uh, and I just tried to get involved and get a feel for the for the them as people and uh, an organization in general. And uh, the time came where they had a retreat in Oahu. Uh, That was just this past January. And um, it was uh, answering the call to radical midwifery. Um, And it was just absolutely eye-opening and um, so special and sacred to sit in a circle with like-minded women and um, the radical birth curious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... Yeah, that's basically I, how I came. I had this phenomenal experience with these amazing women. Um, and, and they are having another one. I, I do want to mention that they are having another uh, retreat in October, this October. Again, in uh, Stunning Oahu. So if anybody is interested in learning more about radical birth and radical midwifery uh, birth work, Um, definitely check it out you just will not regret it at all Um, but yeah that was really the nail in the coffin I came home and I think I applied for their midwifery program before I even left the island before I came back home so that was it I just knew that I had found my people (laughs)
0: It's usually what happens for most people. They, they come to the realization that they they do have options, that they're, it's not a dead end street, even though it feels like it might be, that's often the push to, you know, telling you that you should just keep pushing forward with the, with at least being there mentally. And then it, it, it they realize it before they get it, like, this is it. I, I know it. I can feel it. I could tell you where it was time. I mean, once we heard that interview, that was enough.
1: Yeah. But then
0: you actually got to, you know, have this m- magical experience. Let's just call it that. Um, going It was absolutely thing. magical. Yeah, And then you, that was it, you know, and then, and you're on the path now. So eventually we'll have you back on to talk about, the, you know, the experience of you now being in the, in the seat of it. But let's, let's, let's slow down for a second now, because there's, this is clearly not the last episode of, any of this stuff we are we're kind of just getting into the ideas i want to have you want again to talk about more about the history of things and how hell did we get to this point if anyone has seen my episode unholy trinities i discussed the idea of shakespeare king james and how they really helped things along as far as getting essentially the entire world convinced that witches are old, disgusting hags that are just making terrible trouble for people constantly. Um, And that, of course, um, (laughs) there's a need. There's a need to find people that call themselves witches and warlocks and potentially make sure that men were handling all the births from then on because that's one way to control things. And, and and look where we've, it's it's hundreds of years later, but look where we are now. I have a very strong feeling that was really the big push for it, the start for it. Because before then, well, first of all, before then you had community, you had neighbors. And, you know, that whole postpartum thing we were talking about, if, if let's say the husband wasn't there to take care of the kids for half a day, you'd probably have your neighbor or your relative who lived right next door, or maybe even in the same house. I mean, things were just so much different, you know? And um, yeah. Nobody's saying we have to go back to this time of tribes, but the tribal concepts are a big part of what keeps humankind um, as amazing as it is and, and, and as as flourishing as it is to have support. Um, <laughs> it's just not there in a lot of ways nowadays. And um, we went from a place where I didn't see any kids hanging out in the street. Now we're somewhere where there's kids hanging out all over the street. It's wonderful to see and, um, this is, you know, there's, there's pockets of it, but times have changed and change is actually a really big part of what you're doing. You're, you're making changes for the better, for the perception of midwifery in general and the overall acceptance of it. And the concept that it's not this, you know, this symptom that you have a child coming and now you're going to suffer. It's none of that. Everything is happens the way it's supposed to happen almost a hundred percent of the time. So maybe if you, if you want to, we can probably end with talking about our, our home birth experience and, um, where it landed us and how we got to see things and on both sides of the coin, so to speak.
1: Sure. Well, first I just want to say that it really hasn't been that long where like this real medicalized model of pregnancy care has come into play. Mm. Because it really was not that long ago where women were still birthing um, in their homes. And that was very normal. Um, so, yeah, that was just part of this last go around, early 1900s, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, it that's really been hasn't most, been that long. Most of the so-called Rockefeller medicine took over for just about everything. Right. Department, Department of Education style things included. And um, we will get into that in our next episode, a little bit more of the history and the yeah. mystery. Uh, particularly... I just wanted to
1: clarify the time, the timing. Is, sure. It really hasn't been that long. It, you know, it kind of is going along with like this very quick, technologically advancing mm-hmm. culture that um, is not ours. It's it doesn't no. belong to us. None of this belongs no. to us, and. Childbirth is just one thing, one thing that they have
0: um, tried to take away from us. You're right. And I think really it's, but think, let's put this perspective on it. It is going to take hundreds of years for this kind of switch. It's completely unnatural. Most people will fight back against it. It's taken this long to completely inculcate billions of people billions of people are convinced of the opposite of the real spiritually obvious truth nature and natural radical right this is the way to go and um it's only radical now because it hasn't been this way in the norm for as long as it has been but you're a 100 percent right it only you know technically recently has this ridiculously huge change happened but it this is it took this long. And uh, again, go back to my episode if you guys haven't seen Unholy Trinities. I think there's a lot of actual groundwork context for this conversation without even meaning to. But a lot of German thought has entered our, our landscape uh, culturally, whether it's the music that we got with most classical music coming from Austria, Germany, changing the way we see and think and hear and feel music. And um, uh, same thing for this. Nothing Bad. Germany's amazing. I love the language. Um, But even the word germ, you know, it's funny how Germany has such a huge impact on us since like 1850. All the philosophy that people are very um, quick to throw into a conversation, it's all coming from there. So stay tuned for more on that. We're definitely going to have a nice talk about that and see how, what really led, what several or many more than that events led to this eventual takeover of birth. I just can't even believe I'm saying that, you know? It's such a crazy thing to even mention. But it has
1: Yeah. It sounds over. really crazy.
0: It sounds crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: That you could convince women to go against their own instincts cuz you all have the instinct. Even if you accidentally got pregnant at 15, you still have the instincts. The maternal instincts and they've managed to actually get you to fight your own natural instincts and and potential knowledge you're fighting your own knowledge. Like, I haven't studied that. I don't have the knowledge. No, you have ancient memory. And that that kicks in, I assume. I don't know, of course. But I assume that kicks in. And that seems to be part of what's being discussed, at least, at, at some level. Um, okay. Why don't we end with our our last experience? We had a home birth. About a year and a half ago. Take it from there.
1: Okay. Uh, Okay. Yeah. In in
0: the context of the idea that it's, whether you go to a hospital or not, it doesn't mean that things are going to go smoothly and perfectly, no matter how much planning or spiritual awareness you have.
1: Um, No, I mean, such are the laws of nature. Uh, You know, um, in the natural world, we see things come up unexpectedly uh, all the time. It's just a part of life. And um, to think that, you know, things can't come up uh, and that everything is just going to be great. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: it, it's just naive, um, you know, because it's not always the case. And uh, much, if not most of the time, uh, true, undisturbed Um, physiological birth does go smooth and you don't need hands on these women Um, and there is instinct and intuition and and guidance um, from within but that's such a rare occurrence these days to have that type of undisturbed and respected and honored space um, that is a tremendous part of the problem. Um, but you know, things happen sometimes that, uh, you know, you don't expect or, you know, see coming. And in my case, uh, I was a rare, rare case, (laughs) but yeah, I was a rare case because it, it isn't something that happens very frequently. Um, I had a pretty severe postpartum hemorrhage. Um, and I did receive medication to stop my bleeding. And there were a lot of things that happened to stop my bleeding and to stabilize me. Um, but I, I mean, that goes back to me, um, you know the importance of feeling safe and and building your birth team a, a team that you trust. Um, you know I had had discussions around postpartum hemorrhage with my midwives prior to it happening. Um, you know, speaking of you know on the topic of intuition, I I just knew that. I I knew that I was going to bleed. I knew at first I, I knew that everything was going to end up. Okay. Like, you know, I wasn't like, Oh my God. You know, I wasn't like freaking out, but, um, I just like, I've, I've always had, um, intuitive vision and, um, I've always been very connected to that aspect of my spirituality. And, I just knew that I didn't know what it was, but I knew there was going to be something. And I I just knew that my birth was not going to go smoothly. And then um, later on in my pregnancy, I found out that I was slightly anemic and very slightly anemic. But as soon as I found out, you know, and it really I mean, it was not a big deal, you know, but I knew that that was going to be it. Like, once I found that out, I don't know why I was like, I'm going to bleed. And I did, you know, it didn't, I, I didn't have a lot of anxiety revolving around it. Um, like, I kind of accepted that that was a possibility. And I, I, I knew that it was gonna, I just had that gut feeling anyway. So um, I wasn't really surprised when it happened. But I did um, you know, prepare myself mentally and spiritually for it. And um, I did have uh, in-depth conversations with my midwives about um, their protocol and you know what what would happen in the event that um, something would come up. And so um, you know, I trusted that everything was going to be okay and it was. And it is. And I still would never choose a hospital birth. If I'm ever faced with uh, the decision again, I'm still going to choose to birth at home. Um, and, you know, that's because I know my choices now. And I know that everything is a choice. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that it's important to, to make it clear that um, just because you – in a position where you support and honor physiological birth and um birth choices doesn't mean that you are natural or nothing Mm -hmm. um you know there are a lot of people that um, there's a lot of judgment just for absolutely everything nowadays right so um you know there's a lot of judgment around women who um, make certain choices. And, you know, I think that the take-home message is that my my standpoint on it all, it comes down to choice and informed consent and um, knowing your options and having somebody, uh, if you feel like you want or need somebody to walk alongside of you um, and and honor that with you,
0: so yeah it was quite an experience you know to be there right after the birth i'm holding the tiniest baby possible and and there's it an tiny.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well for me i used your fourth birth so for that <laughs> was the littlest baby i've held
1: no it wasn't
0: yes ruby was tiny you're right but you know in the moment the thing is like that's what i mean though you're usually yeah, stig- I know stig- what you mean. Right away. and no, I'm, I'm holding the baby and you're in the next room. And there, we had an IV up in the house. It's not like there was nothing there. Uh, again, to mention how it's not just natural or nothing. It really does not need to be that way at all. Um, and nobody said it has to be. You know, it's just more misconceptions that come out of the stigmas that are created for these exact moments. But um, we did end up at the hospital for a little bit. And um, it wasn't perfect there. That's for sure. There were some very, very interesting things that come up. And uh, we certainly don't have to be long-winded about it whatsoever, but we didn't have the accommodations that I thought we were going to have as far as wheelchair access and things of that nature. Um, There was no... Before I get there, they... Thankfully, our midwife walked through the door with us and got us right in. And she gave us a kind morning ahead of time that they're going to address our baby because it was a home birth. Tell them, what do they call our baby and every other baby like that?
1: A dirty baby,
0: a dirty baby. Right. It's almost like, um, it's almost like a racist slang, you know, it's just such a negative way to say something. It's crazy and um i certainly had not yeah. heard of that term ahead of time i did not know that so that was a relative surprise nothing nothing uh nothing happy about that and <laughs> they you know we weren't there forever it was okay the experience was okay overall we're not here to bash hospitals we know what's wrong with it and what isn't and you know more than most people but they did put tubes in the baby when we were not there and they waited for us to leave yeah this is a warning to anyone else you know don't leave the baby alone if you want nothing done without you seeing what what do they do what happened there what was that
1: yeah so going back a second um we we ended up in the hospital for separate reasons not Mm -hmm. related to my hemorrhage. Um, You know, I was stabilized at home. Uh, I didn't need an ambulance called or anything like that. Um, So I was, I was taken care of. um, But we ended up in the NICU for separate reasons. Um, And yeah, the NICU was a terrible experience. Um, it was a terrible experience. And just one of the problems that we had with uh, the staff was that before a doctor even came in, uh, we had been there all day and no doctor, we were at a teaching hospital, no resident, um, no white coats came in to talk to us or um, discuss our son's care plan with us. And, um, we were there all day and we finally left the unit. We were gone about an hour, um, to finally use the bathroom because there were no bathrooms on the unit. You had to go off of the unit to use the bathroom. Um, and so we finally left to use the bathroom and to go eat something, to go get lunch. And, um, we came back and, our son had a nasal gastric nasal gastric tube placed that they waited for us to leave so they could do that
0: mm-hmm. yeah, we weren't told never we were asked and because um, we had a dirty baby right or maybe not maybe they just maybe that's their protocol. hey, make sure that them when they're not there I don't know I don't know It could have been
1: it could have been a thousand there could be a thousand reasons. And, uh-huh. um,
0: I think they knew we were on the fringe outskirts of wanting to be there to begin with. And they probably said it would at all costs, I guess. I mean, that would have been been a
1: safe assumption, you know, a home birth transfer. Like, yeah, we had no intentions on being in the hospital. So yeah, of course, we don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. You know,
0: maybe that has something to do with nobody.
1: Nobody has to guess. It's like,
0: no, no. I mean, and you know, we were discussing (laughs) understaffing earlier. And yeah. there was clear understaffing going on here. And it was at a time when people were well done with their hospital jobs and they were out. Or they were being kicked out for not taking the shot or not wearing a mask or whatever. And um, this had a large effect on... Now, we were conscripted to the lobby bathroom, actually, which I don't think is the best-case scenario for a woman who just had a pregnancy. It's just right off the top of my head there. It's really not optimal certainly isn't the proper care and, and just my opinion. I'm sure you feel similarly about it and anyone listening, um, you know, leave a comment, please. How do, you, how do you feel about that? How would you feel if your wife just had a baby? She's in a wheelchair because she's very low on energy and you have to go to the same bathroom that anyone who just happens to show up uses. And that and that bathroom we had no wheelchair access. We had to go through a fairly... I don't know why. I don't know why it was, but it was such a dark hallway. We had to go down this dark hallway right out of the NICU. And, and there was no... The door wasn't... You know, usually you press buttons and a hospital door opens for you. We didn't have that. We'd, we would have had to go really far out of our way to get to the bathroom with the wheelchair doors. And then we had to go to this one bathroom where there's a little L hallway... That barely fits a wheelchair. If you needed to turn around, you couldn't. You had to back all the way out of it. It was very hard to get you to this bathroom. It just seems crazy to me that you don't get your own bathroom when you have a baby. And dirty baby or not, it would have been the same if we had the birth there. So I was I mean,
1: But like we were saying, the postpartum period is... There's nothing sacred about it. There's... (laughs) no attention to uh, recovery and care um, and honor, honoring a woman that has just um, gone through this crazy, entered this complete liminal space um, and brought a new soul into this world. There's just, ah, uh, do you think you're the only one? Get back to work. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's really the mindset, you know, yeah. that, that we have a lot in this culture. So
0: you're right about that. And we love, we love, you know, the world we grew up where we grew up, whatever. There's plenty of amazing people all around. And that, that fact proves itself every single day. And, um, but there is an unfortunate probably very small group of people that have made sure that the world is what it is now. And um, they're not going to win. But as of right now, they're doing decently. It's hard to talk to people about certain topics. You can't even really open up to somebody without them thinking you're crazy. And um, I'm obviously completely crazy. And it's it's such a shame that we can't just have a conversation with someone, just a good old-fashioned conversation. It's kind of my goal on this show is that I... I don't say the things that I try to be very specific about in certain other ways. That way I can open up conversation. I want conversation. And I want people to think about something and find out more on their own rather than just listen to me or you talk and be like, well, that's the answer. It's not. It's not. There's much more. Human beings are so complex to begin with. And there's just so much more to any set of information. There's always more. There's always more to learn. Um, It doesn't matter how much experience you get with something. There's always going to be something that proves that you don't know everything. And um, the more people take that approach, I think the quicker people will grow and learn. Because, again, in this part of the world, this neck of the woods, I think there was a humongous stagnation in overall personal growth, spiritual growth, and knowledge in general. There was a lot of... Well, I'm working 60 hours a week. I'm just going to gamble on sports and play video games all day. And um, and I deserve it, and I don't care. Meanwhile, they have kids. They're doing other things, you know. There's, um, it it limits you from being able to learn or grow at all. But it's what they tell you to do. You know, it's not love thy neighbor. It's compete with thy neighbor so you have lots and they don't have much at all. And then don't help them if, you know, if they have to move a couch or something. It's it's so crazy and backwards. It's just, I don't remember once any kind of team building, loving work that ever happened at any schooling I've ever taken. I just remember somebody being like, can the head guy do all the work? And then we all got the same grade. That'd be making very happy. I need to cheat on my test. I had no time to study. I've been teaching kids for a long time now and hardly any of them had appropriate amount of time to even think for themselves. Now, it's fine to want kids to do a lot of stuff. But when you've got, you know, two sports and three instruments, and then they're telling me they don't have time for friends or even television. I don't want them to have television, but I was shocked to hear how few kids were actually playing video games. They didn't have Mm -hmm. time to do that. So it starts young now. They want to make sure that your time is completely occupied and that you have so little time to even think that you're not going to ever open a book. And of course you're going to end up getting drunk with somebody by the time the weekend hits because you can't, you know, TGIF, you know what I mean? TGIF culture. Right. Anyway, that little rant was basically me just saying that there's big, huge problems with the overall mental status of almost everyone, us included where nobody's perfect and nobody is taught to embrace themselves or to brace for the future by learning as much as you possibly can about the world you live in. There's so much to know and so little time. And I personally think I lost a few years just doing whatever I was doing with music. And yeah, I played lots of video games. I lost a lot of time there, I think. I gained something from it, but not as much as I I put in, you know. And um, a lot of people are in my situation. And now it's time for all of us to learn, from the, especially from the past few years and from the past few decades, and to learn, grow, think outside the box and realize that there's so much more to everything. And uh, somebody like you can inspire a lot of other people, in my opinion, to do just that, because you're always growing, you're never, you never stop. You've never stagnated once. And um, even if you have personally felt like there was a time of turmoil mentally, you're still, you used it as an opportunity and I know you did because it always seems like there's the ebb and flow and you come out of it and I can tell that you, you know, you realize that you grew and you, you're, I just, I love seeing it, you know? And, and me personally, I feel like I really stagnated. So having you, you know, in my life for the past almost 10 years now, in case anyone was interested, um, it's helped me broaden my horizons and perspectives and make me a better person too. So I appreciate you for being you and I hope that a lot of people got an idea about who you are today, because you're certainly going to be back on this show and we've got a lot more to talk about, but I think we had a really good kind of, um, overall discussion about why people should at least, if they're considering having a child, whether they've had one or not yet, look into all of your options. You have a lot of control and power over how it goes. And, um, somebody like you can be an integral part in getting them into that world and starting to, you know, give them some ideas, some references, sure. some ideas. And um, th- that's where we have your display name here. Why don't you tell them where they can contact you if anyone wants to say hi or ask questions. Or, yeah. You know, and so,
1: so I'm on Instagram um, right now uh, at Petracola Philatiformis.com. And um, I am on Telegram under the same name. Um, yeah, if you need guidance, if you're in need of birth support, um, definitely reach out to me. Uh, I am, you know, taking uh, birth clients, postpartum clients, and um, and I'm I've been tossing around the idea of traveling, so um, I am open to traveling. Uh, so that could be an option too if um if you're in need so
0: that's great that's great to hear and um it's been really kind of surreal having you you know on this camera here <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's, <laughs> so it's it it's been i've been really looking forward to this and um
1: i hope i, I lived we, up to your expectations well i think we
0: covered a lot of topics <laughs> actually that were very appropriate, and, and coming from a place of experience. We're not just both sitting here talking about stuff that we heard about or read about or heard somebody else talk about. You've had a lot of firsthand experience with basically everything we talked about today. So it's incredible because most people don't get out of the system. It's either that they feel like they're too old or they just never see the truth for what it is. Um, it's something to think about. And Um, I hope I left you guys with something to think about by having this amazing guest and uh, just know she'll be back many more times. There's plenty more to talk about here and maybe we'll kind of get some progress reports from you as we're doing stuff.
1: Um, That'd be great.
0: We have plans to homeschool. I have a feeling we can end up getting information out to other people who are planning on doing that. As we learn through the whole process, it's going to be all kinds of learning and things that come up because of that. And, um, Yes, please look forward to plenty more interviews just like this and all the kinds of episodes you've come to expect from the show soon. And please find me on Rockfin. This particular one won't be an exclusive, but I'm going to be doing more and more exclusives as I do find that YouTube isn't necessarily giving back, but Rockfin certainly is. And hopefully you can find me there. I'm also on Patreon to support our work. And if you can't support it monetarily, then simply watching and sharing this with people you think might be interested is way more than enough. And I really appreciate everything. Um, I'm very close to a thousand followers on Rockfin and it's happening fairly quickly. So I'm definitely going to have, by, back by popular demand, Spiro Gin is coming back for more, um, you know, for more all kinds of, well-rounded talks about all kinds of things. That That's something that's coming up very soon. So I hope you look forward to that. And um, I'm certainly looking forward to it also. Plenty more to come. Thank you so much, guys. Look forward to bringing you another episode very soon.